uh, and strong. Steve Vines is here. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm, you know, taking the pills. All's good. <laughs> keep on, keep on going. <laughs> keep um, on going, yes. Uh, Backchat was uh, talking a little bit uh, at the end of the show this morning about uh, Lewis Charm. We thought we'd pick up uh, yeah. uh, on the theme right as a kick-off this well, morning. Well, he's a, he's a very major figure, and... Mm. Uh, Backchat was talking about him. I think everybody has been talking about his unfortunate demise this week, although he was a man of 94. It wasn't that mm. unexpected. But, I mean, what, what interests me about Louis Charon, and let me fess up immediately that I don't read Chinese, so I haven't read, um, you know, the, the novels that uh, appear, well, the very famous novels that appeared under his uh, pen name, Jin Yong. Mm. But, you know, I am very familiar with his life, I think. And he, to me in many ways, exemplifies the one country, two systems, you know. Mm. He is somebody who um, was a journalist on the mainland. He was uh, brought up in Huangzhou near Shanghai and came to Hong Kong to escape the communist regime. Okay. He'd been working mm. for mm. Daigong Bao up in, in mm. um, China. And, you know, thank God he did, because his father, unfortunately, was executed early on after the, the revolution on some trumped-up charges, because they came from a, a middle-class family. So, I mean, you know, already he had a very good reason not to be on the mainland, escaped to Hong Kong, and then he, he did this thing, which, um, as a journalist, of course, I'm, I'm most impressed by. I mean, he founded one of the most formidable newspapers, the Mingbao, um, and he produced a paper that, that, that substantially contributed to the development of journalism in Hong Kong. So, just, just backtrack for a second. So, he came, what, about 1950, 52, I somewhere around that time, have, right? No, no, it wasn't as late as 52. He either mm. came... Uh, let's say uh, he, 49 50 i would have thought mm, mm. so i mean he was a you, you know he was one of the flood of people so he was chased out of the mainland basically I, well i think he, he came on mm. his own accord mm. he saw the writing on the wall he's as i say unfortunately his father didn't join him here and was executed but uh you know he would have been he would have been uh swept up in that very early purge of um landowners and bourgeois people um who were literally strung up and and killed so um anyway so he, ming, ming pao was his thing entirely mm. entirely his thing um i'm told by people who work there while he was there that he was no small autocrat it wasn't you know it wasn't a free-flowing uh, easy discussion type of place but of course it, not only was he the proprietor and owner, which is a lethal combination, in my view, of mm. uh, newspapers, mm. but, you know, he was becoming increasingly famous for what he became even more famous for as, as a novelist, you know, with all these very impressive <laughs> figures of fans of his, namely Deng Xiaoping and people like that. But the interesting thing about this man is, so he, he, he throughout his life, displayed... Okay, a level of arrogance, but a level of integrity. And when you talk about one country, two systems, so here he is in Hong Kong. He was a virulent opponent of the way that the Cultural Revolution spread here and the violence that spread to the streets of Hong mm. Kong, making him a ta making himself a target of the communist forces here, the people who are now telling us that they believe in law and order. Well, literally, their same party was assassinating people on the streets. It's an interesting fact, which can't be repeated too often. But anyway, and then, I mean, this is this is what's interesting. He then um, 
becomes much more involved again with the mainland. He was he was a great fan of Deng Xiaoping and the reforms that took place under Deng and went on to serve on the Basic Law Drafting Committee <coughs> and was widely, widely criticised by Democrats in Hong Kong for being part of a, putting forward a plan that would have limited the franchise in the early years of the SAR. Of course, I mean, what's so interesting, his, his proposal... Um, which, um, which, as I say, was castigated by the Democrats at the time, was far more liberal and, and progressive than anything that's been proposed since the establishment mm, mm. of the SAR. But in those days, there was heady optimism about what was possible. Mm. But, you know, unlike the people today who are slaves, have a slave-like mentality, have a sort of cringing-like mentality towards Beijing, he wasn't afraid when he thought that something was going wrong. And indeed, after the Tiananmen Square massacre in 1989, he was a bitter, bitter opponent, obviously of the massacre itself, but of its aftermath, the failure of the Chinese leadership to to confront the reality of what had happened. And then again, of course, fell out with them. Now, can you imagine anybody today among those pro-establishment figures? They just toe the line. They mm. just are timid. They will not ever stand up for sure. what they think is right. So, you know, people may have disagreed with him, and people sure did disagree with him in the Democratic camp during the drafting of the Basic Law, but they had respect for him. And then they realised after after 89 that his integrity was not derived from anything other than, I think, a, a, a genuine um, love of country and a genuine love of what is right. Mm. And he was deeply offended by this obviously the loss of life, but deeply offended that he thought that the regime was moving in a way that would lead towards some kind of restoration, well, not restoration because they didn't have it, but some kind of development of a democratic system in China, and it was just literally killed off yeah. on the streets of Beijing. And, and he wrote a vast amount of articles. Ming Bao became a very, very vocal critic of what was going on in China at that time. And, and you know, up to the handover it was quite a critic, Ming Pao that yes. is, of, of yes. the, the Chinese authorities and uh, the forthcoming handover at that point. But actually after the handover, the sort of editorial stance of the paper well, did change a bit, right? Well, he sold it. He sold it. Um, and um, the new owners, you know, anybody who's naive enough to believe that the people who own the newspaper don't control it they obviously also believe that the pope isn't a catholic i mean you know this is just nonsense of course when it changed hands it it, it, it changed its policy i mean i've worked for newspapers for a very long time including during periods of change of ownerships mm. i know for a fact if there's one thing that changes the way newspapers are run it's, it's who, who owns, owns it. it yes and i know that for a fact because <laughs> The, the, the paper that I worked longest for in, in Britain was The Observer, and when it was bought by Tiny Rowland, a very controversial um, businessman who was famously known as the unacceptable face of capitalism, one of the main things that he told us, um, us, the great unwashed hacks who worked for it, is, you will re retain an entirely independent editorial policy. And we all looked at each other and said, <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry, I don't even know how to say that. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Um, um, it's the opposite. And mm. do you know what? Mm. We were right. Mm. 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 <laughs> I, I, I was working in the business section, and the business section was particularly prone to interventions from Tiny. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> and incidentally, I know that for a fact because I was for quite a while the deputy business editor. So I was actually on, at, you know, at the point where instructions were received. So this isn't this isn't an impression. This is based on factual evidence. Yeah, I think there's there's many instances of that over the years, aren't there? And uh, maybe the the one that's most close to home uh, of recent is uh, is Jack Ma's ownership of uh, well, that's, that, a little that paper down the road. So yes. uh, we'll uh, yes. we'll see how that the Alibaba news, you mean? Anyway, we digress. We do, we do digress. Anyway, so it's it is a sad day. Mm. It is obviously a sad day. He's a he's a Herculean figure of um, Chinese literature, but I also think he's a Herculean figure of journalism in Hong Kong. Mm. You know, Ming Bao, after all, was. Um, set a standard for serious journalism, which in the Chinese language press was very much echoed by the Economic Journal, and to, to a lesser extent and later when it was founded by the Economic Times. I mean, but you know, people look towards Ming Bao as as a as a standard. Do we do we know what his political stance in you know the, the say the last ten years no, was? I don't you know, know that. Do we? I, I wonder. Know. I wonder whether he's he stuck with his views and you know maybe that was the reason he he sold Ming Pao. I mean he, he was he saw he that was, coming. He, he was um, yes, quite possibly. Mm. I mean he was ill for a long period before he died, so I, I don't know how active he was. Um, uh, he, he, and he wasn't writing anymore, of course. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he was a man of a very senior year. You don't expect people to keep going on forever. So, I don't, I don't, no, I, I'd, I'd be interested to know that, and I don't, I don't know the answer. But nevertheless, a, a long and esteemed uh, writing career. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I mean, talk about successful. I mean, here's a man who's literally sold millions upon millions of books... Um, he was served poorly by his um, translators. Um, for those of us who lamentably don't read Chinese, the English versions of his books, I'm afraid, are not very impressive. But mm. Mm. I did did make the attempt, and it wasn't a very good one. But, you know, I have a lot of friends who the colour The colour is lost often in these... Uh, well, you know, a good mm. translation mm. is a good translation. I, I don't... I cannot for one moment believe these are good translations, which is an enormous pity. But there is, there is a, I mean, just to digress a bit, there is a sort of major deficit here. I mean, Chinese works translated into English do not benefit from the greatest of translators, unfortunately. Hmm. I don't know if it works the other way around. Well, I think it works in many, many languages in both ways, yeah. doesn't it? You know, translations well, are never quite the same as that. <laughs> Although, you know, um, I, I, I'm thinking of, of a, for example, an Israeli author who I read a lot of, Amos Oz, who, who, who has had the same translator, um, more or less since he started writing. And they work very closely, he and the, the translator, <coughs> excuse me, work very closely together and they read brilliantly in English, his books. Mm. So mm. it can be done. Yeah, that's the way it works. Um, uh, let's um, uh, do the segue into yes. the next story, which is not a segue at all, really. <laughs> it's, it's more like a, a flight of... Um, <laughs> a flight! There we are. A we, flight from, from something sad into something ridiculous. Into the uh, the CX debacle. So here we cafe. have, here mm. we have, apparently, mm. 9 million. That's not a small figure. Mm. 9 million plus, in fact. 9 um, million data, 9 million <coughs> people's data breached, basically, yeah. in March. Yes. And what is it? November? Or was it last month, October? No, I, I, I don't know. Only, I think it's only April, Steve, as far as I can see. Yeah, it's oh, that's only right. April. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what happened there? Did these people really think, by which I mean, uh, Cathay, did they really think they got away with it? <laughs> 
that somehow the data of nine million people wouldn't be noticed so they didn't have to tell the customer for five months for five months i mean is that really what what were they thinking i don't know but of course one of the things i think they were thinking are that the data protection rules in hong kong are so pathetic they are Mm. that they thought oh well you know sod it we can get away with this Mm. you know even even if somebody complains i mean what they're going to take us to court in hong kong good luck with that Mm. because you Mm. ain't going to get nothing Mm. i mean so there is one problem it's all right for the government now to be hopping up and down and go oh we're going we're going to send investigators to their office oh get over yourselves the damage Done, 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 done. What are you doing, you ask scum, what are you doing about <coughs> strengthening data protection legislation? Oh, well, that's very complicated. Greater Bay Area. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just... The bridge will solve it. The bridge will solve it. Yeah, I mean, would you have to believe it? It's just extraordinary <laughs> that, that they are so pathetic in the face of this. I mean, they're mm. humming and mm. harring. Mm. There is no... Well, I'm not sure who's more pathetic, actually, to be honest, Cathay or the government. Well, I mean, Cathay are outrageous for having thought they got Mm. away with it. Mm. And incidentally, Mr Cathay... I wrote to him. Yes. Because they they sent me... I'm one of the nine million. They sent me three three separate emails about the same thing. What did they say? (laughs) They didn't really say... (coughs) To be fair, they did say sorry, but it was a lot, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is why it's taken what we've done, blah, 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 blah. I wrote back and said, dear Mr Hogg, five months... That's the Question operational... Mark. Is he CEO. the chairman? CEO, CEO. right, yes. CEO. Yeah. And, I, and I got a faceless reply back from them. Uh, from Did customer. he change his name into customer well, service? It, 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 <laughs> yes. It's, Dear Mr Ross, uh, your sincerely customer service. Ah. No name ah. of anybody. I used to know customer service when I was younger. Good man. Fine chap. Yes. <laughs> Outstanding. Went to good school. Oh, very good, very good. <laughs> but, I mean, it is... I mean, there is a kind of extraordinary arrogance about Cathay. Mm. You know, I think a lot of Hong Kongers, I, I suppose I'm one of them, have a complete love-hate relationship with them. Completely. Because it's, it's, it's a sort mm. of, you know, mm. it is a very decent airline, mm. I, I want to say that. Mm. But as soon as anything goes wrong, mm. there's the slight inclination that somehow it's the passenger or the customer's mm. fault. Mm. You know, I, I, I was... I, <laughs> I was on a, on a plane, as it so happens, very recently, which was delayed, and the pilot, who was speaking in perfect parlotese, you know, <laughs> and he said, um, oh, we're well, sorry for the delay, but it was caused by the plane being late. I'm thinking... <laughs> Whose fault is that? I'm thinking, caused by the plane being late? <laughs> It's like, oh, we apologise for the rain, but it, it, it's wet. It's raining. <laughs> I just thought, do they have a script for this? Did he make it up himself? And I'm sitting there. I looked at the bloke next to me in the other seat, and we both were sort of, you know, the eyebrow raising. <laughs> well, the, the actually, pilot uh, Palinese is is uh, is fantastic, and it's not just Cathay. To be fair to them, no, no, it's, there is a certain language. As like. Past the buckies is what it normally is. You yeah. know, how can we possibly transport whatever it is onto yeah. air traffic control? Oh, yes. <laughs> right. Or wind. Yes. Wind. Well, yeah. There's a bit of a pile up here. Uh, we, expect to, we, we expect to have you on the ground. And you're thinking, you're not having me on the ground, mate. <laughs> I'd like to go down the steps. <laughs> So what can the government do about this? Can they get Well, I think the only decent thing they can I think I think the the horse has bolted at Cathay. Mm, mm. But I mean that now if if there ever wasn't a kick up the backside to look at the um data protection laws in Hong Kong, this would be the moment to do it. You'd have thought, right? 9 million. You would have thought 
a wake up call and they're going oh but it's early in the morning we can't wake up now (laughs) (laughs) the adjective pathetic doesn't um, doesn't really cover it doesn't do justice does it yeah it's true it's true yeah yeah. so uh, and can i just add on a personal note i'm i'm even Mm. more insulted i mean you got communications i didn't get zippity zilch so there's two explanations here maybe you weren't breached well what I'm worried about is that I was breached and the data was so boring that they sent it back. <laughs> oh, I don't know what I missed the prize. Oh, I know that. It's far too boring. I'm really worried. I'm taken, I've taken umbrage that I have not received an email, that my data was too boring to be breached. I mean, you know, God, where is justice when you're looking for I've it? I've got three, mate. Do you want one? Yeah, well, you've got one to spare, so I'll have one of yours. <laughs> Anybody but, else want one? Well, I'll yeah. pass them around, you know. Well, we have Share a listener. We have a listener, so you could give one to the listener as well. So yeah. that, so that would leave you with that. That's that's two gone. That would leave you with one. <laughs> it's You're all right. up. I'll give that one away as well. It's all right. I'm, I'm happy without it. Steve Vines is in the house. We'll be back uh, with a bit more uh, after this on, on on Wednesdays in particular. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got high hopes, haven't you? I've, I really do. <laughs> high hopes you. of everything, right? I, I hear the twist is coming back. Oh, is that right? Is, yes, I think we're going to do the boss no later. <laughs> a little bit later. Anyway, do, do you think we should? update the listener on white elephant latest i think we should we da, should da, da, da. we should have a jingle shouldn't we yes with sort somebody of trumpeting sort of saying, white elephant <laughs> well the white elephant remains white so now we've got we've got the bridge to nowhere <laughs> how many have we got uh well i don't know i mean well yeah there's there's more to come they're breeding they're they're breeding there's the, there's the the west kowloon um semi-cultural doojah to um open it, or not open is it cultural at all yet i'm not sure <laughs> well i don't know i mean they're all really just ferreting around getting the palace museum bit of it working so god knows if the rest of it will ever happen but i'm sure it will i'm sure it will to do with the bridge now the thing i loved yes. last was it i think it was last week was was that i think it was monday they said Oh, the bridge is opening tomorrow. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I mean, that was in case... We may not be ready, but... In case anybody was in any doubt that the bridge had a purpose which was connected to transportation, because it wasn't ready for that. It was ready for the big knobs to turn up and open it, but, but, you know, there weren't the coaches. And now we see. I mean, they have days. It's supposed to be, you know... Uh, and mm. I know you have the passion that I have for the Greater Bay Area, but it's supposed to be one of the great artilleries. How do you spell greater? I think it's spelled G-R-A-T-E-R, right? Is that how it's spelled? I, I think so. It grates on me, I tell gra- you. I'll tell you. It's like the cheese and... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so so off they go. Uh, um, um, they say, you know, it's going, to, it's going to be this great hub and it's going to be the transportation connection. And... Um, Oh, that's right. They had one day where I think six lorries went on it. That that changed the dynamics of the Greater Bay Area. Can I just say, again, Greater Bay Area, because there may be some people who don't realise how wedded I am to it as a concept. Somebody said to me, I, 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 um, just, I flew in <coughs> from elsewhere. I was away right. for a couple of days. And I flew in on Wednesday, last Wednesday. And, you um, should have taken the bridge, mate. Um, and I uh, probably should. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was messaging, you know, as you shouldn't do when you're, you're taxiing you on, the, uh, on the runway. And uh, I was actually messaging somebody here. And they said to me, I said, oh, just landed. And they said, oh, have a look at the bridge and see what's on it. Is there anything on it? Yeah, because you can see it very clearly from the runways. Yeah, Yeah. you can. I said, well, I can see a cement mixer. (laughs) This was Wednesday, the day after. 
But I mean, it's it's a strange combination. There's lots of sightseers who want mm. to use it. So, and of course, the buses haven't been, or the coaches, whatever they are, haven't been organised properly. So at the weekend, there was this enormous pile-up mess, mm. and it didn't work. Well, you know, I don't honestly blame the coach operators who were given three minutes notice, saying establish <laughs> an efficient service, and they go blah, 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 buses. You know, we have to have them. You mm. know, drivers, mm. and, and they're going. No, no, we've opened the bridge. Your your problem. Get yeah, it sorted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is bureaucrats the world over. They, they you know, after getting up after lunch, they, um, and, and before snoozing in the afternoon, they, they mm. suddenly have a flurry of clipboards start waving around and they want stuff done. I have no idea where you even get a bus to the on the bridge. Do you know? Um, I, I just know, because I, I happen to have looked it up, that you can get one from Kuantong. Okay. So, okay. you know, that's, that's, a, that's a nice that's place a hot, to be. That's a hotbed there. That's a hotbed yeah. down. Mm. Boom, I tell you. Mm. Uh, apparently mm. you can get them from other places. Okay. Chunwan apparently figures in that in that galaxy of, of glamour. Yeah. 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 So, well um, acquainted with that, I'm sure. So. Yeah, meanwhile, but, back over at the the, uh, the the railway that nobody travels on they, i see they were issuing handwritten tickets the other day because the ticketing machines really? well the ticketing machines went plop <laughs> i mean it, in again again you know because some people foolishly think that all these projects have something to do with transport because one's called a bridge and one's called a train mm. but they don't come on come on we're, I don't know if anyone's listening, but if they are, we're all adults. We kind of know that these projects have nothing to do with transportation, so they haven't really got a ticketing system that, per se, and in particular, works. So they were handwriting the tickets the other day because it was they, the they should have doing they, it. They should have you know, <coughs> boxes of those blocks of tickets that they used to have when, like, when I was brought up in the UK mm. uh, and I went on a yes. train. You got and a little you, cardboard they, piece, and you know, tear to them off. That's they right, and they yes, tear them in right. half, right? Or, or sometimes they punch them, and you that did they punch, punch them, and, and you'd end up with something about the size of a post, yes. postage stamp. I valued those tickets; they were very valuable. I'm sure that we could introduce that kind of system we could. here. We could. It would be a step forward, and then they could have sort of inspectors on the train going, "Tickets, please! <laughs> Tickets, please!" <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think there's a tra- there's a great opportunity missed there, but apparently, apparently. Apparently, a lot of this is automated. Oh. Yes. Okay. So you press a button. Uh, nothing happens when you press a button, but you have buttons to press. and You, have you mean the ticket system is automated, or what's automated? <laughs> no, the ticket system is theoretically automated, but they have booths as well. Okay. They do have booths. You can see a real person if you want to. So that would be me. I would use the booth. Mm. But, you mm. know, if you're sort of very high tech... And you have a what's it what's it card? Well, that sounds like you. That sounds like me. I know it has. It is my middle name, high tech. <laughs> and you you go along to the station, you press press a button, or you swipe a card, or mm. I don't know what the, what it is. I, maybe it's face recognition. That would be a, that would be a thing, wouldn't it? It would be a thing <coughs> because you know someone's got to collect that data. Mm. <laughs> anyway, well, anyway, it is on many many parts of the railway system. On the mainland, it yes. is facial recognition. There is, so, indeed. Yeah. yeah, That's not actually a joke. So. I know, I know. Mm. Yes, careful what you don't wish for. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, there we are. That's that's the round-up of, of transportation. transportation. Yeah. Yeah, we had a transportation round. What we could mention, um, because we haven't, and it sort of goes back to the point about... Um, I'm sorry, can I issue a, a listener alert? You can. There will be criticism of the Hong Kong government at this point. Oh, for the first time ever on this show. And this could be construed as a health warning. It could be. So, apparently, the police um, intervened to stop 
the banks being given a warning that had been approved by the Hong Kong Monetary Authority and indeed the um, Security Department <coughs> about the um, high risk of money laundering for human traffickers. Apparently a lot of that money has been passing through Hong Kong. Oh. And the police took the fairly reasonable view that if such a warning was issued to the banks, it would give Hong Kong a bad name. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. So they didn't issue the warning. They withheld it. They said to the Monetary Authority, you cannot circulate the banks with this because Hong Kong's reputation is at stake here. And that came from the police? <clears throat> Apparently. Now, we know this because the Secretary for Security, the, the very mm. wonderful John Lee, who, who has only seen one political party he wants to ban so far, uh, stood up in Lechko and told, finally fessed up to this. And he said, and now we're getting into sort of Saudi Arabia apologia territory. You know, oh, he's not in embassy. <laughs> well, now he is in embassy. <laughs> yes. But he said, and you know, you write this down because if ever you're in a tight spot, this would be the way to go. He said, ah, well, yes. Now, about that warning, uh, mm. the, the information came from a source that wasn't ourselves and therefore we couldn't verify it. I'm thinking it was an international body that has been tracking human trafficking. They are the specialists in this field. You are not. You know, it's like saying, oh, well, we can't trust that Interpol because they're based in France. Well, actually, you can't because the head of Interpol well, gets kidnapped. Just, right? yeah, yeah. But anyway. Mm. Um, mm, that's another uh, story. <laughs> that's another story which we, we just don't have time mm. for because we've got to talk about the Greater Bay Area. Um, mm, but, mm, mm. but, you know, I mean, that as an excuse, it is up there. It is up there. It really is. So to preserve Hong Kong's reputation, we facilitate money laundering for human traffickers. Yes, I think that may be the way to go. Hong Kong's world city, mm. bring your money laundering here. Mm. We'll make it as clean as we can. I mean, I suppose the, 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 worry, <coughs> the worry, you know, this is one that sort of slipped out and that we found out about. Yeah. But, but how many of these things happen that we don't find out Well, about. I mean, Hong Kong is, in fact, notorious as a money laundering mm. centre. Mm. I, I, I mean, you know, um, ask the good folks at Hong Kong Bank. They've had quite a bit of problem with this. Mm. And um, it's usually other jurisdictions who point it out. Mm. So mm. if you want a system, here we come back to all the basics, with a free flow of information, with a judicial system that is independent and transparent... And with authorities who are determined to uphold the law, what they're saying is, well, don't come to Hong Kong because we want to crack down on the media. We want to crack down on the flow of information. We don't want the judicial authorities to, to, to get involved with judicial matters because what do they know? Oh, and by the way, just because there are international experts telling us that, that there's a problem here, we don't have to listen. We're in Hong Kong. Yeah. Goodbye. Mm, oh, incidentally, mm, we're shutting mm, up shop. Mm. Are we further down the slippery slope than we think? Well, that's one of those great exis existential, God, I can't even spell it, questions. I don't know. I, I mean, every time you look out the window, there seems to be a bit of slippage going on. And whether we've reached crucial point, mm. I don't know. I, I strongly hope that isn't the case. Mm. You know, I don't believe that all is lost, but, you know, there's only so much slippage that you mm. can tolerate without there being a landslide and i think you know i mean take this this is the banking system hong kong keeps rabbiting on about how it's a crucial place for financial services but if people don't believe 
in the integrity of the system it goes. It goes like that. It doesn't sort of, it doesn't trickle away. It goes very, very quickly. You know, I'm unfortunately old enough to remember when Lebanon was the great centre for all banking in the Middle East. It was actually, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> and mm. it moved like mm. a like a like a rabbit out of a what's it mm. to Cyprus in nanoseconds, and then Cyprus had its own problems. But anyway, mm. we won't go into that. Um, when people realised that you know the system wasn't fit for purpose, mm. Mm. and mm. the story of the Lebanese economy since then is is is, is relatively well known, but. Mm. You know that that will happen. Yeah, will, I mean, it's, it's not. It could happen. That will happen. It, could, you know, it really could happen, couldn't it? I mean, it was it was considered back in the day, wasn't it? The sort of uh, French Riviera of the Middle East. Wasn't well, it? and yeah. it was the great commercial mm. centre. It mm. was the great banking centre. Mm. But particularly, it was the great banking centre mm. because if you lived in Egypt or you lived in Syria, where you know it was Shonkyville. But another um, another parallel is Manila. Because, well, you know, back in the late 60s, yes, early, early 70s, right. that was a huge commercial centre. Look at it now. And I remember I, 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 when I first came to Hong Kong, I, I went to the Philippines a lot because there was the, the People's Power River. You know, I was covering mm. lots of stories there. And I, I remember meeting this very nice family, it's sort of old Hong Kong family, who, who said, you know, we always used to go to the Philippines um, for, for long weekends and holidays because it really was the most civilised place within reaching distance of Hong Kong. Well, I don't actually know anybody who says that now. No, it's a different, it's a different person that goes to the Philippines for... Uh... And possibly not for civilised mm. purposes. <clears throat> mm. yes. On which note, thank you, sir, as ever. Well, it's, it's, it's a sheer pleasure. Thursday, the 1st of November, pitching the punch with, uh, with Steve Belt and Braces, I think, as we've <laughs> <laughs> been saying, he's keeping I, his braces I on. I hadn't managed to say Belt and Row before, so I thought I'd just slip it in before we go. <laughs> Get it in. Get it on with the bridge. I said, take it.